Welcome to the Strategic Talent Management People Solution Podcast. We solve your people challenges. People are the most important ingredient for your business or organization's success. We believe the way to take your organization to the next level begins with knowing your people and yourself. In this week's episode, Chris and Sue discuss the difference between management and leadership. Welcome, Chris. This is your first time appearing on one of STM's People Solutions podcasts, and glad to have you here. A lot of times, you know, we hear from our clients, they're talking about managers and leaders, and they use those terms interchangeably. But our perspective is that they are not the same. So from a, a pretty high level perspective, what is the, the major difference between a manager and a leader? So I'll start this with a comment that one of my first academic mentors said, and I think it's very appropriate for today. Um, and it was, I was doing my graduate work in leadership at the University of Southern Maine. And my professor said to the class that leadership is one of the most studied ideas in business, yet at the same time, it is the least understood. So, yeah, and, and as I've progressed through both uh, in a organizational setting and an academic setting, I really understand that now. And it's, it's because when we define leadership and management, it depends on what perspective we're looking at. So I'll start with the filter of how we look at leadership and management. And it can be defined a couple ways. First, we often look at it from a title, which is not necessarily the best way to define it. Uh, Second is what's really important is how your followers perceive you. And lastly, which is really important to what we do uh, is based on behavior. So, you know, this topic is continually discussed in research And it does come down to how you want to perceive when you define it. So the big definition that I use for what defines the difference between leaders and managers is that leaders tend to have people that follow them and inspire them, and managers tend to have people that work for them. You know, I I think the best way to look at this is from how an individual is behaves in a certain role. That is managers tend to be very task oriented um, and action oriented and leaders are inspirational. They motivate people and they coach and develop others. But that said, we often try to define a person as a leader or a manager, but great leaders seamlessly move back and forth between both roles, between both ideas. And you don't even have to have a title to be a great leader. We've all had frontline employees who are great leaders with their peers and they, they get them excited, they motivate them. And within their small group, they're looked upon as a person who knows how to make a decision, knows how to inspire others, knows how to coach others, 
and is really viewed as a leader. So that's, you know, the one thing I, I want people to have as a takeaway is to move away from that idea that leadership is a title. But I really want to uh, in, it's really emphasize that idea because as you take that perspective of leadership is about behavior and management is about behavior, you, you begin to have a better understanding. Right. So how does this play into kind of approaching organi organizational change? So if you use a simple definition of leadership is about inspiration and motivation and vision and management is action and task uh, oriented, if you are implementing any sort of widespread organizational change, as a great leader, you have to embrace both those ideas. But in the beginning, you have to put on your leadership hat. You have to think about what is the long-term implications of the change? What are the long-term implications if you don't change? I think that's something we often forget to use as a tool to analyze organizational change. How does it tie into the organization's mission and vision and goals? Setting that big vision, it's also really important to be able to inspire others and create change champions. Once you've created that vision and that, that long-term plan, then you can move into a bit more of a manager's role. And, and having that sense of urgency, as John Cotter talks about, um, the sense of urgency in, in implementing change. What has to be done? Who do I need to delegate to? Uh, who do I need to assign certain tasks? So it's in the beginning, being able to create a vision and inspire and create change champions, but the execution of the organizational change, you really start to need to put on that manager's hat and think about what's most important, what do we need to do next? But throughout that entire process or anything we're doing in our organizations, great leaders can seamlessly move from one hat to the other, from one perspective to the other for any type of, of planning that we're, we're undertaking. Okay. So that kind of plays into strategic planning, visions, missions, all of that is related. And the leaders kind of put it together and the managers are the executors. Maybe the same people, but those different hats, that makes sense. Absolutely, Sue. And when you look at leadership as a behavior, uh, how you undertake a challenge, how others perceive you when you're undertaking that challenge really defines the difference between uh, a leader and a manager. <clears throat> and with strategic planning, it's not that different, but what, what we just talked about with organizational change. Uh, a little more so the leadership role in strategic planning because so much of that involves vision and miss mission and long-term impact. And a great strategic plan has to involve the organizational values and uh, their mission statement. Because you're looking at a manager would be great. That manager role would be great at the execution of a short-term plan. But if you're looking at three to five years of where you're going to take your organization, you have to be in that leadership 
lens. Where does this organization want to be? How are we going to move our mission forward? How are we going to implement ideas and make changes and, com and complete goal, long-term goals that still ties into our values and our vision of who we want to be? And that's really a leader's perspective of not only understanding the vision and the organizational values, but how do you inspire and communicate that plan to others? Mm -hmm. So you've mentioned communication and behavior a few times as we've been talking. What are the key differences when it comes to helping managers and leaders be better communicators? I think this is one of the best questions we can ask when it comes to leadership and, and management. Because it, I think, is the defining behavior uh, that separates leaders and managers. Leaders have to be great communicators. They have to be able to communicate their vision for the future. The reason, if they're making a, a huge change or there's a big organizational upheaval, you're going to look to a leader to be able to keep everybody calm and keep everybody focused. You know, a manager, it's a lot easier, in my, in my opinion, it's a lot easier to communicate uh, needs or tasks or to delegate or tell someone what to do um, or have them uh, get involved in a project and, and explain goals, but to communicate the reason behind those goals or the reason behind a change is what a leader has to be able to do. You have to be able to inspire and communicate the big picture. And I know we use that word a lot, big picture, but this is really what defines a leader. Here's what I need you to do. Here's why we're doing it. That's a manager. But when you add that piece of here's why this is important, here's how your role fits in to this big implementation. There's how you are going to be such an important part of what we're doing in our organization. And making your follower or your staff or your employee feel not that you're just telling them something to do, but really getting them to understand how their role plays into this big initiative. And we see that a lot in employee engagement surveys. Uh, people will say, I, I, I really enjoy my job, but I just don't understand where my job fits in to the organization. I don't understand mm -hmm. how my role fits in to the company structure and the company goals. And to me, that tells me that they don't have a good leader communicating that to them and communicating how important they are. I have had really great leaders be able to very eloquently explain that to me. Even if I'm just a frontline employee, even if I'm just uh, have a very small job and a very simple task. When you have a leader that can really get that employee to understand how they fit in to the big picture, the overall goals and the overall vision, not only do you have a more productive employee, but you have someone, their engagement goes up, their sense of belonging increases, and it all comes down to how you make that person feel. And it comes from ability to communicate vision and inspire them 
to understand where they are in, in their world, in, in the organization. So leaders have to be able to not only communicate uh, from an inspirational perspective, but they also have to be able to handle challenges. And especially in organizational change, when you get pushback and, and people put up barriers, well, we've always done this. Why are we doing it now? We've tried this before. Uh, of being able to field those questions and, and field that pushback in a very, you know, a firm way as a leader, but also with a, with a bit of compassion. And, you know, the difference would be a manager say, well, this is what we have to do. This is what we've been told to do. Let's go ahead and just, just finish this project, which might work. But if you have people that are resistant, a leader is going to communicate, you know, this is really important to us moving the company forward in our long-term goals. And it may not seem like what we're doing as a department or as a team is going to have an impact, but it does. And here's why. Here's why we need to do this. I understand your concerns. I understand. I've been there myself. So it's that communicating with empathy and compassion and being able to understand where your team is coming from and not just telling them what to do. Um, and that really creates this atmosphere. When, when you, you walk into an organization, and we've all talked about this, we've all seen it. You walk into an organization that has really great leaders, you feel it right away. Mm -hmm. You sense it and you know it and you understand that this is a culture that embraces great leadership. And it, it's from that communication. Let's talk more about culture, because a lot of what you've been saying reminds me of conversations I've had with businesses about culture. What, what role do managers versus leaders have to play in developing and driving an organization's culture? Now, a lot of people may disagree with this. I think both a manager and a leader coming from a behavioral perspective uh, are very important to culture, but culture is really driven by leadership. Because you can have a culture and a definition of your culture. Uh, we do this, we are this, we're a great place to work, we're a fun team. Um, we believe in work-life balance. You could have all that written down on a website or in a brochure, but that's not real culture. Real culture is you know, the combined uh, beliefs and perspective that your team has. And if you're not inspiring that team and you're not getting them even down to, there's a lot of studies that talk about organizational culture can really be distilled down to the frontline team and the frontline staff. How do they feel? And if they don't have a feeling of a sense of belonging or they don't feel their work matters, then it's gonna be reflected in their attitudes, behavior, um, how they approach their work, and that's, that's culture. And we're seeing a big cultural shift in organizations with so many more employees working hybrid or remotely mm -hmm. because they don't feel they're losing a sense of belonging when they're detached from their team. And We've seen this prior to what we're going through now. We saw that a lot with um, distributed employees, dis distributed staff members. 
almost as if they were a subculture within organization. And I saw this when I was involved in regional sales and you have sales managers spread all over the country, all over the world. They, they're almost a very strong feeling of individuality. Um, but they understand that role. When you take someone who's been a part of a team for a long time and you remove them from that, you start to lose that sense of belonging. So even more so now in, in the situation we're in, leaders really need to, to understand how to communicate to their team. How do you create belonging in a virtual environment? How do right. you create that? Right. Um, so it's increasing what we do, uh, reaching out more often, connecting. You, you think about some of the things we do as a leader in our organizations, can we replicate that? So what I've encouraged uh, leaders to do is recreate that, what you do in your office. Well, if you walk by your team or their cubicle or on the floor or wherever they're working, and you just do that quick hello, check in, how are you doing? Hey, what's going on today? Uh, and do those follow-ups. You have to be able to recreate that in the virtual environment. So it's it doesn't have to be a Zoom meeting. It can be a quick phone call. It can be a quick email. And knowing, letting them know that you're there, you're, you're still reaching out to them. You're still uh, concerned with their well-being and still being able to motivate them uh, and encourage them. And you can recreate that to a certain point. But that's the big part of culture that we often miss. Is It is also part of values and mission and vision. We tend to look at those things as what we have written down on paper, but it's the it's what we can't define. It's the intangible that really create a great organizational culture. And that comes from great leaders. If you have a great leader and you look up to them and they are a mentor and they're someone who inspires you, you're going to work harder. It's just human nature to work hard for someone who you respect and mm -hmm. who you see as someone who, yes, they're hard on me. Yes, they push me, but they really are looking out for my best interest. And to me, that is the definition of, of a great leader. So I feel that regardless of how you define organizational culture, you can move it forward as a manager, uh, but organizational culture is so tied to leadership. And we talk about that a lot at STM, especially with some of our smaller organizations, that the organizational culture is the owner, is the, the senior leader of the organization. And it's really hard to differentiate those. And I think that's a great example when we talk about organizational culture from a leadership perspective. If you've got a small organization, a small agency with maybe 20 or 30 employees, your culture is whoever's in charge. And if right. they don't set the yeah, they don't set the tone, then it just disseminates down into every employee. Right, and sometimes that culture is that there is no defined culture. Absolutely, because that leader doesn't know who they are. Right, they haven't defined their role. Uh, I remember uh, a conversation that I had with you and Art about how so many senior leaders or owners in small organizations still have that manager mentality. They still have that mentality that maybe when they were doing it on their own or only had a few employees, but when, as they grow, 
they don't make that transition and, and take off that manager day-to-day task-oriented, what we need to get done hat and put on the leader hat. I need to step back and see things. And it's such a cliche term, but I think it works here. See things from 30,000 feet. Right. See things from a much broader perspective. And it's, uh, it's really important to not only to the large overall goals and vision and culture, but on the, the, the day-to-day aspects of running the organization and, and really preparing uh, your team for what's ahead on the, on the day, the week, the month, and, and, and even further goal setting. Right. What I'm hearing from you, and this, this may be an overused analogy, but what I'm hearing is that leaders are looking more at the forest. Managers are really focused on the trees. Absolutely. Um, I, I would I would take that one step further and staying in that analogy that managers are looking down at the path to get through the forest. Mm-hmm. And the leader has already gotten themselves above the canopy. Okay. And knows knows where, where the forest ends and how to get out of there. Right. Right. Looking at professional development. What are the differences in approaches we might take with managers versus leaders? So the first thing you want to decide when you're developing your people at any level is where you see them. Where where do you want them to go? Where do you want to take them? And something as a a person in learning and development, I, I try to encourage all leaders to do when they're developing their people. Don't limit their development to what you want them to do in your company. Develop them for the long term. There is a great uh, analogy that we use in training and development, and it's uh, a CEO and a CFO are having a conversation about uh, spending a considerable amount of money on a new training initiative to develop their people. Let's say it's a leadership development. And the chief financial officer says, we cannot spend this money to do the training. And the CEO asks him why. He said, well, I don't want to spend all this money to train them. And then they end up leaving the organization. And the CEO responds, what if we don't train them and they stay? (laughs) Right, which is worse. And that, to me, that comment from the CEO, that's a leader's perspective. And the CFO was taking a manager's perspective, money, Mm -hmm. task, um, looking at it from that idea. And it's true. We're going to, if you develop great people and they, and they leave your company and go somewhere else, that reflects really well on your organization. You know, let's say you're within a small uh, group uh, in an industry, uh, let's say the uh, financial industry. And people are hiring and they keep hiring these great people from your organization. What does that say about you as a leader? What does it say about your organization's culture? Um, the only downside is if you get that reputation, people start poaching your, your, your staff. Absolutely. Especially but, these days. Right. But you should take that perspective of, yes, I want to create a great leader to stay in my organization, but I just want to create a great leader. And if they move on to something else, that's going to reflect well on me. It's going to reflect well on my approach to development. And ultimately, 
and some may say this is a naive approach, but ultimately it'll help your entire industry if you're creating great leaders. So we may have some listeners out there who are sitting and thinking, you know, I have some great managers on my team. How do I know? What should I be looking for to decide who should I invest in? Who has the capacity to take it to the next level and be an influential leader in my organization and not just a very competent manager? That is a great question. And it's a question that people probably deal with a lot. And one of the challenges is we have to first look at how most leaders are promoted. Most leaders are promoted to a title position of a leader because they're really good at their job. You look at someone, hey, Joe is our best person on the floor. He does a great job. He's the most productive. Let's promote him to floor leader or team leader. And this is very, has been very prevalent in sales. And I don't remember who I was, it may have been Brian Tracy was talking about the big mistake of promoting your best salesperson to sales manager. Oh, we see it all the time. And we've had those conversations and I've heard a lot of those um, situations where you've seen this in, in the work we do in recruiting. And that tends to be the mentality. But that's because the person who is doing the promotion doesn't under, necessarily understand the definition of leadership and how to really recognize a great leader. There was a company I worked for, and they were expanding from the West Coast to the East Coast. And the senior vice president who was tasked with creating uh, the stores here on the East Coast was told by the president of the company, I want you to open up the East Coast um, and, and expand our operations. He said, you're not the best store manager. In fact, you're not really on my list of the best store managers, but you're the best leader I have for this role. And that was because He may not have been great at inventory. He may not have been great at scheduling. Um, He may not have had the cleanest stores. But when you walked into his stores, you could tell that people there loved their job. And they loved engaging with the customers. And they were just happy. So when you're looking at people to promote or to develop, who within that team inspires others? Who does the rest of the team look to when things get difficult or get challenging? Who can communicate and get along with anybody on the team? When there's problems or a big challenge, who remains calm and really can step back and say, all right, we need to solve this challenge, but how can we also make sure it doesn't happen again? So they have a much broader perspective of how change or any decision they make will have a long-term impact, not just for themselves, not just for their team, but for the organization itself. So who, and it's not about being well-liked, and that's a, a, a misnomer. You, who is respected? They not may not, everybody may not like them or get along with them, but majority of your employees really respect this person as a 
coworker and they look at them as a leader that but doesn't have that title. Right. The most impactful leaders may not have a management title. Absolutely. And when we get into academic definitions of leadership, we talk about all the different types. There's reverent leadership, which is what I'm talking about, where people look up to you and you they respect you. Um, most, a lot of people define leadership from the idea of a positional or power. You're a leader because you have a title. Mm-hmm. You're a leader because you're in charge. And in any aspect of our society, we have seen plenty of examples that that doesn't mean that person's a good leader. No, not necessarily. So it's really understanding who is going to, not only who you see as someone who's respected, but the other important part of this is who has the capacity to grow and become a leader. And it's a question that we don't often ask as leaders. We don't, we see someone, wow, you know, this would be a great opportunity to promote uh, Michelle. Everybody likes her. She's great at her job. Uh, I'm going to approach her. Does Michelle want to be a leader? Right. Does she want, is she at a place where she wants to take on that responsibility and grow? So a big piece of developing others, especially developing people in leadership capacity is they may be ready in your eyes. They may have all the competencies that we're looking for. They have all the the, uh, demonstrated behaviors that we look for, but are they ready? And I think that's a piece that we miss a lot in developing others. Right. And I think we also can promote people to a level of incompetence and disengagement. They're, they're great at what they do. They may just want to keep doing it. Let's not force them into a, a manager or a leader role. That's not where their heart is and, and not where, where they're going to be their true and best self. Absolutely. And I, I think we've created this belief in our society that you have to continue to move up and, and grow in your company. But there are some people that, and we've all met them, that are in a good mid-career position. They are phenomenal at their job. And that's where they want to be. And that's okay. Right. So as we wrap up, are there, what do you think are the, the most important things for people to take away from this discussion? I'll sort of end with a story. And I, I use this when I'm teaching my leadership classes at, at the university. And a great, I would encourage anyone to, who's studying leadership to read about Shackleton. Because there's two ways you can look at Shackleton. You can look at his expedition was an absolute complete failure, which it was. <laughs> from a manager's perspective, it was a complete failure. But from a leader's perspective, it was an incredible success. He didn't lose a single person. Uh, they all got home. And he inspired his team through some really difficult and harsh conditions. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's stories of him of making sure that his team was fed first, making sure that everything was rationed equally, making sure uh, there was a story of him taking off his shoes and giving it to an, uh, one of his um, 
members of his team, one of his crew, uh, because that person didn't have socks or shoes. And it's just, that's a leader. It's taking care of your team, inspiring them, making sure that they are motivated to get through the toughest times. And at the same time, demonstrating those behaviors and competencies yourself. So when you are trying to understand the difference between leaders and managers, it really, for me, uh, and for what we've, we do at STM and what we've seen from our research, is it really comes down to behavior. What defines a great leader is how they behave and how they inspire others. Can that be predictive? I think somewhat. You can look at certain uh, behaviors and how that person is going to fit into a certain role. But don't confuse leadership with someone being good at their job from a task perspective. Mm -hmm. Look at leadership as someone who, if you were in a situation that was difficult, you could count on them to get you mm -hmm. through it. You could count on them to make sure that you stay the course. So there's an ongoing discussion. There's really two schools of thought in leadership. And one is leaders are born with a certain set of skills, competencies, behaviors, attitudes, or leaders can be developed. Anybody can be developed into a leader. I'm somewhere in the middle. Right. And, I, and I think that's really where we, we need to look at finding our leaders and developing leaders. You're somewhere in the middle. Not every person who uh, is born with a great set of competencies or demonstrates the behavior will be the right leader for your organization. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we can't develop everybody into a great leader. Maybe down the road you can, but that goes back to this idea of, is that person ready? So finding that combination of someone who has the competencies you're looking for demonstrates the behavior that you're looking for that fits with your organization's culture, values, and mission, and also is in a position where they have the skills that you can develop into being a great leader. At the same time, that skill side of it is understanding that they still have to be a manager. So what I would leave our audience with and what I would wrap up today, our, our big takeaway is the difference between leaders and, and managers, you have to be both to be great at what you do. You have to be able to step back and forth between, I need to be a manager right now. This is a sense of urgency. We need to get this done. We need to take care of this problem. I can step back later as a leader and analyze it and see what we can do to make changes. But right now I need to be a manager. And at the same time, understanding those situations where, man, my, my team is really struggling. Um, and we can use our current situation in, in, our, in our global pandemic as an example. Right now we need great leaders to get people through this situation and inspire and motivate them and tell them, you know, we're going to get through this. Stay the course. We'll be okay. Well, thank you, Chris. This has been enlightening and certainly has clarified the difference in those, those two terms for me. And um, thanks again. Thanks, Sue. Uh, it was a pleasure. I was really excited to finally get on one of the podcasts and have a conversation with you. 
especially after I've introduced so many of our podcasts, it's nice to be one of the guest speakers. So thank you. Thank you for it your is. time today. This is great. Yes, thanks. So thank you for listening to another episode of Strategic Talent Management's People Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe to get notifications for new episodes. And for more information on strategic talent management, click on the link to our website in the podcast description.